in my head, if you had told me then that I would have and be on this side of it, I would have laughed in your face. But I took that little tiny mustard seed faith that I had, and I held on to that tiny little glimmer of promise that he made to me that day in Bible study. And I just thought, anything has got to be better than my broken heart right now. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I am here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we are bringing you a story from our Auburn Opelika team, and her name is Erica Skidmore. And y'all are even going to hear in the beginning that she thanks the Auburn team. You'll hear her talk about Ansley and the rest of the team. And so it's always fun to hear our storytellers mention what all is happening in their community and who the people are that have brought them there. I know Erica's story was actually recorded a, a few weeks ago, but we always love to have a love story around Valentine's <laughs> Day. And I know we're still, what, six days away from Valentine's Day, but we just thought it was a perfect story. Not that it's really a love story regarding marriage. To me, it's a love story about putting God first in your life and looking to Him for guidance in your life. I think her story is going to encourage you to have a mustard seed of faith and just take the next step in what God's calling you to do. So here she is. And speaking of marriage, we're excited that we have a continue the conversation as we talk about marriage and Erica has shared her story about marriage. Katie, Robin, and I are going to continue the conversation and talk about our own marriages over on Patreon. So many of you have already joined and thank you for that. But if you're not a member of Patreon, you can just scroll down and click the link in our show notes, or you can simply go to our website at storytellerslive.org. We would love for you to join us over on Patreon. Here's Erica. Hello, ladies. I'm so happy to be joining you today. My name is Erica Kiani Skidmore, and I just want to take a moment to honor Ansley Hillier, who invited me to be with Storytellers today. She befriended me when we moved to Auburn a couple of years ago, and our friendship has been such a blessing. Um, Our family friendship together. Um, I love watching her serve the people around her. She's such a beautiful person. So thank you so much, Ansley. I am just overwhelmed with gratitude to be with you guys today. My prayer is that the Lord's going to speak to each of you individually through my story. I was born and raised in Glencoe, Alabama, to precious parents who raised me to love the Lord. Uh, We went to church. My parents have now gone on to be with the Lord. But my dad was the grandson of great grandparents, and he was the short little man with black hair. And his love language was work, deer hunting, and fishing. And he's the one that gave me my love for fishing and being on the lake as much as possible. (laughs) My mother was a stay at home mom, and she raised my older brother and my sister. She raised us in church and to go as often as the doors were open, literally. She sang in the choir, and we ate fried chicken every Wednesday night and um, listened to gospel music, and I could literally sing any gospel quartet song right now. (laughs) So on Sundays after church, we'd go home to a yummy dinner, and she gave uh, me a love for family and a relationship with Christ, and I love our sweet memories of church together. Both of my parents were raised in broken homes, so my mother was determined to raise us in a godly home. 
I grew up taking piano voice lessons and I was never necessarily the popular girl, but I was instead the nice to everyone kind of girl. (laughs) I had friends in all the friend groups and I went to public school most of my life and I homeschooled briefly in high school. And then later graduated from a private school in Gadsden, Coosa Christian. During my teen and college years, I spent a lot of time serving in the church. I sang, volunteered in the nursery, and I helped with a youth group. At one point, we even drove a bus to pick up special needs students, which was so much fun. So sweet because they love you 24-7 regardless. Um, So sweet. Although it wasn't completely perfect, I was devoted to being pure in relationships, and I even wore a purity ring, and I knew that um, God had a special person out there for me. I wanted to be sure to do the right thing and to have the proper, you know, behaviors, and I dated two different people that I stayed pure with, you know, and um, stayed involved in church and just busied myself with friends and, you know, those types of things. So I um, was all into the modest is hottest kind of mentality, (laughs) and I still am. Anyway, uh, keep four on the floor at all times, you know, that kind of thought process. So I ended up going, finishing high school and then going to college and getting a cross country scholarship. One day we were running and running past the tennis courts and I saw this tall, dark and handsome man. And I thought, oh my goodness, he is just so attractive. And I literally thought, okay, he looks good, but you know, come on, keep your focus. Let's keep our focus and going because we were training. We had wanted to win the state meet in cross country. So that's what our focus was. So we won the state meet that year and we flew to New York City for, or we flew to Buffalo, New York, not New York City, but we flew to Buffalo for nationals. The next year rolls around, we flew to, or we drove to St. Louis, Missouri for the state meet for the next year for the nationals. After we had, you know, returned and we've, you know, we're the cross country team and we, we've returned from our nationals, I had seen this tall, dark and handsome man throughout college. And eventually I came out to a note on my car that said, me like you, me want to take you to movies. And I was like, what? You know, like I thought somebody was kind of teasing with me, but then I also thought maybe this is from tall, dark and handsome man. And Um, he left his phone number on the card. So I thought it couldn't hurt for me to just reach out to him. Now, my relationship with him started because my parents used to do international dinners through our church that I grew up in. So it was very comfortable and not like out of the ordinary for me to befriend anyone, no matter where you're from, no matter what your skin color is. Like, that's just how my parents raised me. Anyway, we started all hanging out this Pakistani Muslim friend with our uh, cross-country crew, which was a mixture of South American and Asian students. And so there was always parties on the weekends and dancing and food. And I literally became a professional Macarena dancer. (laughs) That was something I've taken away. So anytime that song comes on, I feel like I feel like I'm a professional. So our friendship slowly became more of a relationship that I kept a secret from my parents. And like I said previously, they did not raise me to only date certain people. But I did know that, you know, my parents and I had talked about dating Christian, you know, not dating outside of your beliefs 
and how dating outside of your beliefs can just cause a lot of conflict. And so I did know that that was a big, you know, but I literally just kind of went into this as a friendship, not intending it to be a relationship. So my foreign friends slowly became more than just a friendship. And we entered into this relationship after uh, eight months of dating secretly and wearing my purity ring and saving myself for marriage. I became pregnant. I was scared to tell my parents. I was scared to tell the people that I knew loved me, my Christian friends, my church that I had sang in, the youth group that I had helped lead since I was now a college student. And I literally showed myself zero grace and um, just beat myself up. I went from dating a preacher's son and a missionary, people that were in love with Jesus, to being unequally yoked head over heels in love and pregnant with a Pakistani Muslim. And I felt like I had done everything to please God and I had made all these good choices. And then I just turned for one little moment and slipped up. And so I really, um, at this point in my life, think that's when I took on probably a root of shame and just literally carried that for a really long time. So telling my parents that I was pregnant was probably one of the most humbling and humiliating things I've ever had to do. I felt like I had let them down. I felt like I was a big disappointment. I did not tell my father face to face, but I did tell my mother and she had the sweetest response. She was very encouraging and she prayed with me and asked God to help me make wise decisions concerning this pregnancy. And after going through all the emotions that an unwed mother could possibly go through, she then told my dad for me. He didn't speak to me at first. Um, he was, I think, just in shock. I had planned on going to another college after my first college and running cross country there too. So that was kind of out the window. Um, so at first he didn't speak to me, but eventually he came around. We just decided to make the most of this and to get married and to have a baby. And uh, we did love each other. And I had friends that continued to love me and support me. And even having gone through that, I find myself now seeking out those pregnant teens just to say, hey, it's going to be okay. Um, and just supporting them and loving them because I feel like my parents didn't put all that pressure on me. I feel like I did that to myself, but it was just the standard that I I still hold high. I think it's very important to, you know, save that that consummation for marriage. Asif and I had our son Daniel and we couldn't have been happier. He was healthy, he was full of life, he brought so much love. His birth was such a special moment because my dream from the moment I was 12 years old in my journal that I still have was for me to be a mom, a wife and a mom and a teacher. And so I was halfway through college at this moment when I had Daniel. It really looking back on it, it was beautiful how we connected two different families from two, two different parts of the world, you know, and we kind of in our hometown kind of educated people on, um, you know, relationships and how, you know, they can look like different things, you know, um, some are typically similar and some may not be. I continued dreaming my dreams of being a teacher and continued going back to college. I became a teacher in Gadsden where we lived and he became a financial advisor and stockbroker in Birmingham. So after Daniel was born over the course of the next 10 years, we had three girls, Isabella, Kate, and Gabby, 
and we attended church regularly. And I just remember looking back thinking I had just hit the jackpot. Like we had children every two years and we did suffer one miscarriage in in between the last two children. So I experienced that and it was sad and I felt like the Lord just upheld me and Asif um, sometimes joined us for church and I continually prayed for his salvation. The children played all the sports and you wouldn't see me just like whining about that. Like I was so busy and I put them in everything and he was working in Birmingham, but I just loved it. And my mom and I would tag team taking the children to ballet and a baseball and soccer at one point, um, all the sports. Life was so busy and just go, 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 go. And I'm over here living the dream of like raising our children and doing all the things. There were many distractions in our marriage. And that's, we're guilty as parents of like putting all the focus on our children and not stepping back for a moment and putting focus on each other. And looking back, um, I know that we did take time here and there in the teacher world and in the children world versus the, you know, hustle and bustle of the stockbroker world. And the lifestyle that comes with that um, came uh, just a lot of heartache and distractions as far as unfaithfulness and alcoholism. So these actions like in our marriage brought extreme confusion and turmoil for some time. And I suffer greatly from thinking I don't look good enough. You know, I don't sound good enough. I'm not cool and hip like these cool hip people are that are out in the world. I'm over here momming, you know. So I suffered in a way just not feeling like I measured up. And um, I changed a lot of the things that I did in different ways because I literally was raised at Little House on the Prairie. (laughs) I loved the ruffle socks and the long skirts and all those things. And I still do. And turtlenecks and, you know, all the little feminine things. So I am confident that I was not looking like some amazing housewife, uh, teacher wife to come home to. So I did make an attempt to fancy up more and to look more trendy and to be more, just change the outward appearance and even listen to, I'm always listening to worship music. And I tried to start listening to more worldly music to kind of be like the fun wife to come home to. So there were, you know, lots of water under the bridge in those 10 years. And after 10 years of marriage, I eventually made the hard choice of filing for divorce. I know that my identity in Christ had been tested in the marriage, but what I really didn't know was how it was about to be tested and and my confidence and the mountain that was even ahead of me. Um, We went from being living a pretty lavish lifestyle to my husband, my ex-husband losing his job and losing our house after we were divorced and briefly going without a lot of things that were, you know, necessary. And I was raised that you work for your own things. And I was just really too ashamed to ask my parents for help. And, you know, at one moment in time, my big fancy suburban with heated seats was repossessed. And my parents offered me an old Dave Ramsey beater car. (laughs) It was an 87 Honda Accord with zero air conditioning in the middle of July. 
And if that doesn't teach you to count your blessings and to pray yourself out of the hole, nothing else will. (laughs) So to say I was devastated is a bit of an understatement. I had no idea that grieving a spouse and the end of a marriage also was so similar to a death. To me, it was like living through a death because I loved my husband. And despite the choices that had been made there, despite breaking our biblical ties that we had, um, I still wanted that relationship, like the the lifelong fairy tale that I'd always dreamed of and have written about in my journal was like ending. And so I, um, despite those feelings, I still, I continued to pursue Christ. We stayed in church and I went to therapy for over a year. I'll never forget for my 30th birthday party, some of my little girlfriends threw me a party and gave me therapy gift certificates. I was like, happy 30th to me. I'm so excited. (laughs) And I was not the parent that told my children about what our marriage entailed. I know the older children saw some things here and there and what they saw is what they knew. Um, I was very protective about their perception of their dad. I only wanted them to know about the man I had married, not the man he had become. I know that they knew that there were issues looking back, but I think they were quite shocked to wake up one morning for the last time in their home and go to bed that night in a rental home. But I did sit them down and explain things to them so they weren't completely in the dark. But um, I was in a Bible study group with a group of friends and women during this time that I barely knew. And during that study, God literally spoke to me and made a promise to me. And we were doing the Patriarchs Bible study, and um, which was wonderful. I highly recommend it. But, you know, in that study, he promises them, if you will come out over here, I promise you, I'm going to take you over here to the promised land. Uh, if you'll come from this, just hold on tight. And in my head, if you had told me then that I would have and be on this side of it, I would have laughed in your face. But I took that little tiny mustard seed faith that I had, and I held on to that tiny little glimmer of promise that he made to me that day in Bible study. And I just thought, anything has got to be better than my broken heart right now. Anything. And I I trusted in him. And my Bible study women just rallied around me. They just continually checked on us, just supported us and loved us and just were happy faces. And, you know, just a cheerleading squad, to be honest with you. And my dad had been suffering from Alzheimer's. So the children and I eventually moved in with my parents, which was a great help to my mother. And it brought a lot of life into the home. And then also it gave me a bit of a reprieve because I was still trying to do the teaching and renting a a house that was fairly expensive, to be honest. And we started helping one another. She would help me with the children, which was a good reprieve for her. And I would help her with my dad, which looking back, I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity with him. I don't regret any of those days and hours that we spent with him just taking care of him. So, and I got to glean so much from my sweet spiritual mother who just spoke the word over me. She spoke the word over my children. Um, You weren't even allowed to say, I have a headache because she would be like putting a hand on you and speaking the word and telling you you're healed by the stripes of Jesus, you know, 
that brought a lot of confidence to me. And I needed that so much. She had, even with our debt issue, like she didn't say, oh, let me pay that for you. She was like, while you're living here, you can work on paying that off. And that's what I did, which I think is such a beautiful teacher also, because even though you feel sorry for someone, you're not going to just be like, let me just fix that for you. You know, she still said you can just work that off, you know, and, and she just rallied around us, spoke, you know, life into the children as well. So, and she was always in the word, always in the worship mode and always in the word. And so I have really just tried to reflect on that now that she has to passed away. But I found, I found some temporary joy in dating and more pain in other relationships that I just eventually decided that I'm not going to date anymore, never getting married again. Um, I thought it would be best for the children and I to just be alone versus trusting another person. So at this point in my walk with Christ, I was continuing to pursue God. And I had even prayed at one point in time. I was like, Lord, if you want to send me someone that loves me like Christ loves the church, and, and he loves my children that way. Um, send, you know, someone that loves me and my children, like Christ loves the church, then so be it. But I, I really just had a distorted image, I feel like, at some point of God and the way I looked at the rules that I had put on myself, you know, just from growing up. And I had seen some girls that acted a certain way. And I was like, I do not want to be that freely kind of girl. I want to be this girl, you know. So I kind of had beat myself up. I like, look at this path you've created for yourself. So fast forward several years, I began receiving some handwritten letters in the mail (laughs) as if we were living in the 1800s. These four page letters were from a man that I would consider like literally the furthest thing from my type. I prefer tall, not short. I prefer a head full of hair, not a head full of hair that you just shave for no reason at all. Um, And so I literally was just unreceptive to this person in the beginning. I was not ready to to expose my children to another person who could possibly hurt them. But this man did not stop writing those letters. Um, He just kept on in the mail, on my car, at random places. It was almost a little creepy, but at the same time sweet. And something clicked in my head one day. And I just was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give this guy a a chance. And despite, (laughs) despite what I was thinking of, you know, just never finding someone possibly, even though I wanted to have someone to spend the rest of my life with, um, I agreed on going on a date with this man. And I was pleasantly surprised, even though he wasn't my type at all. On the outside, I didn't ask God for the perfect package. I asked God for someone to love me and my children like Christ loves the church. I did convince him to grow his hair out, though. (laughs) So after a year of dating and me thinking marriage was never an option, Zach decided to move in with us and live like a family because I was firm in my decision about never marrying again. And I literally just didn't want to take any chances, even though I feel like I didn't even realize at first that this was possibly a God thing. You know, I didn't really even think, oh, he's such this holy, godly man. I mean, I really didn't think like that. I just kind of fell for those letters and those sweet words. And um, he came in and lived with us. And 
growing up, that is one thing that was discussed in our home, that living together was not an option. And after having gone through what I went through, my feelings changed. And I thought, you know what, I just would rather live together and not take a chance of having another divorce. And I literally, though, in that moment with Zach, had for the first time felt an unconditional love towards me um, from a man and um, towards my children, actually. And I didn't want to take any chances on messing things up in our relationship by marriage. Now, my mother wasn't very vocal with her opinions on everything, but she let me know really quickly (laughs) that shacking up was not pleasing to God. So I honestly continued on, though, because she had not been through what I had been through. And so I thought if she had been through what I'd been through, it'd be a different story. So we lived together for almost a year when we had the bright idea of getting engaged. And we took a little weekend away every month. Um, So one weekend in Mentone, Alabama, at the Mountain Laurel Inn, (laughs) down by the waterfall, Zach proposed. And I immediately thought, this is it. We're basically married. We live together. I have a ring. He's not going anywhere. And I really think those are just all the lies of the enemy that the enemy wanted me to worry about. And I'm just comforting myself thinking, this is it. This is as good as it gets for your life. This is what your cards are. This is what you've been dealt. Once we were engaged, we did talk about setting a date for marriage, but out of fear, I kept putting it off. I just thought, nope, that's not going to happen. But I also kept reflecting back to that Bible study that the Lord had told me, if you will come through and walk this out, I'm going to take you over here. If you'll just listen to me, if you'll follow me, if you'll pursue me. I had that tiny glimmer of hope. I had that little mustard seed faith. And so the girls and I were at a mother-daughter retreat with some women. And it was just, it was a sweet night. We went to this, you know, the church we went to. I don't even know if people knew we lived together, honestly. But despite that, that everyone was so kind to us and they loved us. And it was there that I had a friend recommend that her husband do premarital counseling. They knew we'd gotten engaged and she was like, when are y'all getting married? And I was like, we don't know, thinking probably never. (laughs) She's like, well, if you decide to, you know, let my husband do your premarital counseling. He was one of the pastors at our Presbyterian church there. And so I was like, well, it's worth a shot if we ever are going to get married. Let's just do some premarital counseling. So I told Zach about it. I was like, hey, you know, she told me her husband could do our premarital counseling. You know, if we want to just go ahead and do that, we don't have to get married right now. And he was like, that's a great idea because I think it's just like therapy. It can help us. And so we're like literally the blind leading the blind into this premarital counseling, into godly waters. So before our premarital counseling began, Zach and I decided that we would just keep it on the down low um, with our counselor, with our pastor, that we were living together. Even though he was the associate pastor at our church, (laughs) of course, the enemy was thrilled that we wanted to keep that sin in darkness. And, you know, we still didn't want any of the religious feedback, you know, or his opinions for that matter. So um, we arrived at the church. And once we got settled into the counseling session and like we each like covered our prior experiences and, you know, I was married and this is what he's been through and those kind of things like. I, having been raised in church, literally felt like I was back at the foot of the cross. Like I had already rededicated my life in that two hours. And I'm feeling like, you know, because even though I'm just explaining my life to this man, 
two hours had passed and I'm like feeling just like, oh, that was good to talk about that. And here I've got this man and we're in a church like this is this is close to God. That was all it took for me to feel like I was back at his feet. And at the very end, our sweet pastor and little counselor, Ray Tucker, said, Zach, where are you living? And having just basically rededicated my life in the past two hours, I blurted out the truth. And I was like, he's living with us. And Zach looked at me like, wait, we just decided we weren't going to confess that. We weren't going to talk about this. We were just going to keep that on the down low. And, you know, I just was, I felt so comfortable with Ray that I thought, let's just tell Ray the truth. And it was there in that moment that Ray Tucker told us that we had a decision to make. And he was so kind and loving with these words. He was not judgmental. He was not eyebrow raising. He just said we could go into this marriage in the most godly and biblical sense possible, or we could go into this marriage in from a worldly standpoint. And so we could continue living together, or we could find somewhere for Zach to sleep starting that night. We called my mother. And actually, Zach called her and he said, Miss Judy, can I come live on your sofa for seven weeks? And she was like, you could hear her in the background. She was praising the Lord and she was so excited. And we explained to her, you know, the circumstances and what he was saying. She was probably most thrilled about these events that were taking place because she had been praying for God to just open her eyes and just reveal to us, you know, we went home and gathered the children and talked to them about us having lived together and then what our choices would be now and what our thoughts were. And of course, they cried because Zach brought so much. He brought so much like solitude in our home, so much safety, so much comfort. So like a bit of a glue because he was there. He was involved. You know, he was a teacher as well or is a teacher as well. So we really had the same schedule. They were sad because he was leaving and I was sad too. Like I was not, but um, once that we told them that they were, he was going to go to Mimi's house. Well, then they all wanted to go to Mimi's house. They were like, I want to go to Mimi's house. And I was like, you can't all leave me here. Like, this is not okay. Somebody's got to stay with me. So we called Ray back and we told him the decision we had made, talked to him. And he was so excited. Literally, he said, I haven't been this excited about a couple in a long time. He was like, I'm so excited, you know. And so he, from day one, had just started speaking life into our relationship and just, you know, and encouraged us. And he could have sat there and never asked us that question. He could have sat there and just continued on and not pursued that. But in the most gentle way, he just said, hey, where are you living? You know, and then he could have said, mm, okay. But he gave us um, I feel like just the love of all loves, you know, and leading us to Christ. We let the kids take turns going to mom's house. And let me tell you about going to Mimi's house. I told you in the beginning that Mimi reads the word and Mimi likes to worship. And we had not been doing a ton of that at my house. <laughs> but Mr. Zach got to hear a lot of Bible reading. He got to hear a lot of worship. And the relationship he formed with my mother in those seven weeks turned out to be 
one of the sweetest relationships he's ever had. Um, he compared it to one of his little sweet grandmothers that was a super godly woman. And he just, he'll cry talking about it today. Like, I believe we may have shed the same amount of tears when she passed away because she's just so intentional about Jesus and her love and your relationship and how to feed that. So she just had walked with Christ, you know, her whole life. And so it's, it's poured into our generational line now and then the future generations and for years to come. So Zach and I got married that September and started digging into God's word. And I literally had no idea what was to come. And the joy I had experienced even at this point, 14 years ago, if you had told me then, even at that point, oh, it's going to be this and it's going to be this, I would not believed it. I would not believed it. Even though I had my little mustard seed faith, I still was just in shock thinking this is it. We're in the word together. We're going to church together and we're married and we're living a moral life. And for the first time in my life, I really didn't have to worry about what I looked like on the outside. I didn't have to worry about what I was wearing. I didn't have to worry about other women being around. There was just so much comfort in our relationship in little simple things like that too. But just having Christ at the center of it was like so amazing. Just feeling the confidence that returned to me that I had not had in a long, a very long time. Zach also came alongside me and like fathered my four children as if they were his. And he earned their respect in so many ways. He's just so intentional about pursuing a good relationship with their dad as well. He is always the first to text Asif on Christmas Day, I mean, on Father's Day and even on Christmas as well, and just thank him for the wonderful children he gets to have a part in raising. And he's always first to text him on his birthday. And although he knew the struggles our family experienced, he he thought it was crazy at first when he came along that we were so kind to Asif, but he quickly joined the grace train and found out that we are going to live a much happier life showing other people grace versus unforgiveness versus bitterness or even anger. So, you know, that was something I had to deal with in therapy and laid all that down. And so by the time Zach came along, we were professionals. It seems like, you know, it's just easier to love. While attending our church at the time, we started helping with the youth group and we were having small groups at our house. And I'm just like loving this life. Like my heart is so full and just welcoming me, welcoming people into our home, especially young kids, because we just love to pour into them. And our children loved having parents that were active and helpful. So, and as our marriage continued to thrive, Years later, we had a close friend of ours that talked to us about being foster parents. And so we prayed about it and we talked about it and we talked to our kids about it. And we were like, okay, let's do this. So the next couple of weeks of training and all the things, we just were so excited. And our kids would be like, are we getting a baby today? Are we getting a baby today? And I'm like, we will eventually. So we began fostering many children and enjoying the little bit of wonder that, you know, each child brought to our home. It's just such a blessing to be able to take our family who had had some broken moments and we and our confidence now of living in Christ and just having that solid foundation 
to be able to pour into other children that were having some broken moments. And I feel like that helped my children so much. And I didn't go into it with that feeling exactly. But as we fostered, I was able to see that through them. And um, our our children, even to this day, we fostered a little girl this summer and they just love it. Their faces just light up still. So, but they love being able to help take care of them and give them things that, that, that these children lack because I think they look back and, and although we weren't poor, I would never say that we were poor, but our lifestyle changed drastically. And it was one that kind of left a mark, <laughs> you know, it kind of, there's a memory there. So uh, one newborn baby we brought home was going through drug withdrawals and he had a heart condition which meant it was best for us to stay home from church to keep him from getting sick. So eventually we found ourselves hungry for community and God's word. And at the suggestion of a close praying friend, we started watching um, Church of the Highlands online. And we were amazed and so blessed by the message each week. Zach was invited to a men's night and he went and loved it. He said, we're going to go on Sunday. We're going to go visit. And I was like, okay, well, we can wrap the baby around us and just take the baby on us because we were just being very protective. We ended up going pretty after watching online for several months. Then we ended up going in person. We ended up starting church there and we started attending a freedom group. And I have to tell you, I don't know. I just think no matter where you go to church, that everyone should at some point in their life. Um, attend a freedom group. The word was presented to us in a way that we had never heard it. And the sanctification we've experienced along the way has been life-changing and furthermore, just changed the whole direction of our walk with Christ. The freedom small group covers such a variety of like the different topics like anger and unforgiveness and shame. But then it also talks about being in the tree of life and, you know, different positives as well and how how to stay in the positive versus always living in, you know, thinking about your physical and emotional abuse and just laying those things down. So we literally unpacked bags of just junk during that small group, that first small group. So once again, here's the Lord showing himself mighty to us, that little mustard seed faith that if I would just trust him, And I'm getting chills just thinking about it all over again. It's just such a good memory of where we were and how we just put one foot in front of the other every single day. And then this person just inviting us to this freedom group, we just peeled back layers of this onion and just were like, oh, wow, we're already happy. We're leading small groups where we can breathe. You know, we were just like, wow, it just felt so good. And I know, you know, I'm not just led by our emotions, but just knowing the confidence we have in Christ and where he was moving us spiritually. So in 2016, we started leading freedom small groups and it gets even better. Attending a freedom small group is amazing, but then leading one was even more amazing. So we started leading freedom small groups, marriage small groups, men's small group by my husband, young college girl small groups, as well as some marriage counseling, us doing marriage counseling, like what God, okay. That promise that God had told me way back in my Bible study, back when I was suffering and just hurting and that Patriots Bible study, God told Abraham, if you will leave this land and tough it out, it's going to be worth it. I will give you the promised land. And I'm telling you, sister, that was in 2016 and it just keeps getting better. I have suffered 
some downfalls and things here and there because we're human. That's going to happen. The devil is still going to be on attack. But I'm here to tell you that he is just still moving mountains and still just giving us reason to keep praising him. And even if he didn't, but just the slightest little thing, you know, has moved us. So, and my prayer of praying for Zach, you know, or for a man that loves me and my children, like Christ loves a church. If you had told me back then that I was going to have this, I literally probably wouldn't have believed it, sadly. But I do know that I did have that mustard seed faith. I keep saying that, but I just, that's what kept me going. In January of 2020, this is another little God wink that we were praying through 21 days of prayer and fasting, which, you know, is coming up. And um, our son that we adopted that went through withdrawals and has the heart condition, he needs open heart surgery. And we were praying back then about the open heart surgery. The doctor was thinking it was going to be coming up soon. And so at the end of 21 days, we're kind of just like, listening to him and being like, okay, father, do you have a word for us? Or is there anything you want to say? And we were at the venue there in Gadsden for our final day of prayer. And I just heard him say, move to Auburn. And I was like, excuse me, <laughs> what did you say? And thinking I'm married to the biggest Alabama fan in the world. Are you serious? I went to Zach and I was like, I just heard the Lord say, move. He said, me too. And I said to Auburn, he goes, let's go. And I was like, are you serious? And so we went to one of our pastors and I said, Hey, Mr. Chris, um, this is what we feel like the Lord's saying. And he just said, you just keep praying about that and, and focusing. And so we just started focusing on that and praying more into that. And we went home and talked to our children and had them praying. And all of our children were more than happy to make that move. Even our ninth grader that was going in high school, you know, and we already had one at Auburn University and another one going to the university. So everyone was okay with that decision. So we just prayed into it and then COVID hit. And that was an interesting thing. And I, you know, was tempted to be like, all right, God, what you going to do? But I knew at this point in my life, his promises are there. He is good for his word. He is faithful. He is sovereign. And being home from COVID just helped us be able to get our house on the market a little sooner than we had planned. And we were able to repair things and get things up and running. And so even sharing in one of my interviews um, for a job down here, I was able to share with my uh, one of my principals that I still work for now that actually hired me. She was like, what brings you to Auburn? And I was like, the Lord, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And she goes, oh, I just finished that too. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, really, Lord, you are so good to me. Thank you so much. I just stop and ponder his goodness so many times because me, little old me, the girl that tried to do it all right back there, I'm reaping some benefits now. Did I go through utter, you know, hell at points? I really did. I had some moments that were just not pretty, but at the same time, the Lord was just so faithful and I'm so grateful. I kind of jumped ahead a minute ago, but we are serving and attending our Highlands West campus here. And we're both teaching um, in the same system together. And our children have a wonderful school system as well and teachers. And our high school daughter, who adored her friends and, and her life back home, has thrived here and had the most precious teachers. Like the first semester I sent her to school, she was like, I'm scared. I don't know anyone. And then 
the last day of that first semester, I was picking her up and we were headed out of town for our Christmas vacation. And she cried because she was like, this is the best thing ever. And just has had the most amazing teachers pouring into her and speaking into her life, which when you see your children being blessed, that is just that's such a huge blessing and such a huge reward. And that little prayer that I had prayed for God to send me someone that loves me and my children, like Christ loves the church. I mean, it was like the best, the best prayer. You know, our children now, um, having gone through all that, we are just so blessed with God-fearing children. Um, Daniel is also, our oldest son is also, he's a great tennis player and After high school, he started a marketing business and he travels the world and pops in for my birthday or for Mother's Day, which is so thoughtful. And um, he has the kindest giving heart a mother could ask for. You know, my son that I got pregnant with halfway through college, you know, he has brought so much joy and so much love. It's just he has been such a blessing. And we also have our other daughter who's graduating in nursing soon at the university and then another daughter that is pre-med at the university. So, and then Gabby's about to start. She's going to start, our youngest daughter is going to start in at the university in the fall. So out of fostering, we fostered many, many children and adopted two little boys who are buck wild and muddy and love the creek down behind our house. And I was just messaging a friend today about how to get mud stains out of those expensive Under Armour clothes. And <laughs> I'm like, we have these nice clothes and we've got to get the mud out. We fostered one for two years and was able to adopt. And the other one, it took us four years and was able to adopt. So out of those adoptions, we we have been blessed. Our Charlie that needs open heart surgery is going to face that. I didn't mention that earlier. He did when we went back to the doctor that February, the doctor was like, it actually looks stable right now. So we're just going to, I've experienced healing through his word and through endless prayers and through so many women that God placed in my life. I've got this little birthday group of 10 women back home in my hometown who I miss dearly. And I still drive back up some days for our birthday gatherings, but um, there's some, they, they are just my prayer warriors and just I can count on them and, and message them and be like, ladies, please be praying. And so through those valleys, I, exper- I experienced restoration, like the, being down, you know, sometimes. And those women have helped me. My mother has helped me, our church, you know, through those valleys, I experienced, I grew deeper in my dependence for the Lord. That was one thing that I'd kind of neglected. And then I learned how to be dependent on him and to just trust him and to say it out loud with my mouth. I trust you, Lord. Even if my eyes didn't see it, even if my ears did not hear it, I spoke it. I spoke his word. I would just read scripture out loud and say, I trust you, Lord. I know you know what you're doing. And I still do that to this day because there are things that still come up. And I'm like, you know what? My eyes did not need to see that, but I trust you, Lord. I know that you are at work no matter what. I just want to encourage anyone out there listening to just keep pursuing the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength, because he's just not done with you. Way back then, if I went into great detail about the things I went through, you would be shocked and you would think, wow, how did you want to keep going? And how did you want to do this? But I dug my heels in and I had that mustard seed faith. And I'm just here to encourage you because he has plans to prosper you and not harm you. 
He has plans to give you hope and a future. And I just want to remind you that God's word never returns void. Like it's true. And the Lord is going to do what he says he's going to do because he did in my Bible study. He told me, if you will just go through this, I will be with you and I will give you the promised land. And I just want you to find your promise and cling to that in your season right now. His word is the bread of life. And it's also our tool to combat this combat, the schemes of the enemy, like the devil wants to negate everything that the word of God says. And I continually had to speak God's word. I continually had to say, absolutely not. That is not what the word says, because your mind is going to start talking. Your mind's going to put ideas there that don't come from the word and that the Lord would never agree with. And so I had to let my mind just be transformed by the living word of God daily, just dwelling in it and reading it and speaking it and worshiping. When I would read the Bible out loud, I would just go find Jesus in those pages and just let his word be that lamp. You know, like the scripture says, let that word be a lamp into my feet and a light into my path because there's nothing good inside of us apart from our heavenly father. So, and my children don't have to walk in alcoholism anymore. Uh, They don't have to walk in premarital sex. They don't have to walk in generational curses or divorce because the Lord has restored, he's redeemed and he's delivered me. I just want to encourage anyone that might be going through brokenness. God will take that brokenness and make you whole again, just like he did me. And he turned my wrong decisions into something beautiful. So, And we know that he turns all things together for good for those who love and that are called according to his purpose. Katie, you mentioned this at the beginning, but this is just such a love story of Jesus, of somebody going from religion to relationship. Mm -hmm. It's what we talk about often at Storytellers. We talk about it on this podcast. I think largely because we live in the South, cultural Christianity is a thing. Yeah. Religion, showing up at church, knowing you're supposed to be the good girl, knowing you're supposed to do this thing. And yet you don't know Jesus. And her story is a perfect example of that, of somebody that knew, that knew all the right things, made some mistakes, didn't know how to recover, and then met Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, made some mistakes. And because it was more of a religion and not a relationship, she lived in shame over that for right. a long time. Yeah. I mean, beat herself up over it, thinking, I don't deserve love. I, I'll never remarry. I don't need to meet anybody. I don't need to date anybody because I did this to myself. Right. And how often can we get caught up in that way of thinking? Mm-hmm. And it could not be farther from, from the, the truth. truth. Yeah. Yeah. God wants nothing but freedom. Yeah. In our life. I do. I love the word picture that God gave her through that Bible study of just, um, you know, that he he can get you to the promised land. You might have to walk through the Mm -hmm. wilderness for a while. Kind of goes back to last week's story of waiting. You got to walk through the wilderness for a little bit, but he's going to bring you to that promised land. And, and, you know, God's word says, I can do immeasurably more Mm. than you could ask or imagine. And if he didn't do immeasurably more (laughs) for Erica, I don't know who he would do it for. I mean, he really just stepped up for her. Clearly the Lord was working in her Absolutely. Yes. And that was, that was very evident. You know, for me, just the joy in Erica's voice. Yeah. You could just hear 
the Lord oozing through her, mm-hmm. uh, truly. And then, of course, I loved, speaking of cultural Christianity, <laughs> that she was like, uh, okay, hey, we're going to go to get some Christian counseling. Let's put our mask on. We're not going to tell anybody we're living together. I thought, well, if that's not real life, if that's not real right there, and I mean, we're so, going to hide anything <laughs> right. that we don't want people to know about. Exactly. Exactly. And so... But goodness, I love that counselor for just calling oh, out yeah. that truth and and just thankful that they responded to it. I mean, what yeah. an what an incredible testimony! And then um, also the fact that she had good friends that gave her therapy, therapy. gift cards. <laughs> that is so funny because that is that was one of my points. The therapy gift certificate. I was like, now I, was that like is I love a really, really that. good friend. I love that, that. Is a very good friend, and maybe something we need to make more normal. Yeah. But seriously, I mean, can we talk about her mom? Yeah. Oh. Wow, just that faithful prayer warrior. I, I was I was very challenged as my my kids are growing moving oh. towards adulthood to to be that mom. Lindy, that was one of my notes as well. Just so encouraged in seek the Lord and allow your children to know you are seeking him and feel free to speak it over them. I mean, she was so bold in her faith and how that just passed on to Erica and how she's passing it on to her children as well. Just that generational blessing that her mother began. I loved it. Even the difference it made in her husband's life when he lived there that short period of time. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what God can do in such a brief moment to take your faith to such a deep level and to make him so real to you. Uh, You know, she talks at the end of her story about how she and her husband went through a freedom group at Church of the Highlands, and now they lead those groups. That is different than our freedom Bible study, but at we do have that as a as an opportunity. You know, we have when God shows up and it's eight stories in our Bible study of women who have found freedom in the Lord. If this is an area where you're struggling, where you need help, where you find yourself going, you know, I'm not sure that I have freedom. I'm pretty sure that I'm just the doing things to be good. Mm-hmm. I would encourage you to pick it up. You know, it, it's only eight weeks. It's a great time to start right now. And It's just so encouraging to see how other women have found freedom and met Jesus personally in a brand new way. And this is a great way for you to do that as well. So you can always find that on our website. But, and don't uh, forget, we're about to continue the conversation over on Patreon and unpack this the subject of marriage. There are a lot of good, good yeah. marriage <laughs> nuggets in here. So join us over there as we talk about the, the topic of marriage. So y'all, thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this story. Have a great week, and we will be back next week with a story by Brent Blanks and talking about having a mustard seed of faith. Hers is about stepping out in faith to start a new career. And so something totally different, but requiring the same amount of trust and faith. So we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.